I wanted to share with you what our enemies know about us that we need to know. And uh, to illustrate that, and some of the alumni will recall this uh, picture, I hope, is I want to share with you a picture by a famous uh, artist by the name of Escher, M.C. Escher. Uh, my guess is that Escher drew his pictures while he was on drugs because <laughs> his pictures look like very trippy. Uh, but I find some of his pictures incredibly helpful to co communicate some very deep ideas. And here's a picture of a lot of very different people, individuals. You've got this kind of dark figure here and you got this guy here. You got this guy with a strimal uh, and you've got this woman here and you have all these individuals, but they're all, they're all interfaced. And uh, what I generally do is I ask the students to count how many are in the picture and people begin to count how many in the picture. And the truth is you really can't count anyone in the picture because what, what, what Escher is demonstrating is how everyone in this picture is dependent on everyone in the picture. In other words, let's take this woman here. If we were to pull her out of the picture, your mind would imagine a whole. But that's not really what he's communicating. What he's communicating here, <coughs> excuse me, is her hair is part of this woman's cheek. And, 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 and his hat is part of her neck. And everybody is a part of everybody. And if we were to pull this woman out of the picture, everybody would disappear. And then essentially what Escher is in a, in a very powerful way demonstrating is how every single person in this picture is really how everyone converges at this point, at this point, at this point. And that the whole picture is manifest in a unique way in every single individual. Now, whether you're picking up what I'm saying uh, this is what Judaism says. What Judaism says and what our enemies know is that the entire Jewish people is you. Now, I'm not saying you are the entire Jewish people, just like this woman isn't the entire picture. But this entire picture con converges in this woman and she emerges as the whole picture in this place. And he emerges from the whole picture in this place. So the whole picture is this man. And the whole picture is this woman, but this woman's not the whole picture and this man's not the whole picture. And that's a very interesting point to make. All of Klai Yisrael, the entirety of the Jewish people from the beginning of Avram Avinu till the end of time is you and everybody and, and our enemies know that. And there's a strange kind of compliment in their desire to kill us. I know that sounds weird, but, you know, I'm thinking about. The, the, these 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 Hamasniks want to kill me. They don't even know me. I bet you if they got to know me, they'd like me. But they don't <laughs> want to get to know me. And maybe they'd read my books, but they don't want to read my books. They want to kill me. Why do they want to kill me? They don't even know me. You know, one of the hostages that they took was a woman that was incredibly pro-Palestine. She was incredibly kind and she would help Palestinian kids get out of Gaza and get proper hospital care when needed in Israel. She was an incredible woman that was very pro-Palestinian, very kind, very global peace. And they, and they have her hostage. Why? Because they don't care about who she is. 
because they know who she is. The entire Jewish people is this hostage and this hostage, this victim and this victim. It's an amazing teaching, something they know about us, that we need to know about ourselves, that every single Jew is actually the entire Jewish people is manifest in this Jew and this Jew and this Jew and this Jew. And what this is referred to in scientific uh, lingo is a holographic universe. The theory, of a holo the theory of a holographic universe is that the entire universe is manifest in every single detail. You know, uh, for instance, maybe you've heard of reflexology. Reflexology claims that within the, 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 the bottom of your foot, is the entire body reflected to its own relativity. Uh, there's something called iridology, which is within the pupil of your eye is hinted the entire body. In fact, my wife and I experienced such a, uh, uh, such a experience with an iridologist. My wife was having chest pains. It wasn't serious chest pains, but it was continuous. And so we were concerned and we went to doctors and they did all kinds of tests and to the point that some doctor said she should maybe go to a psychiatrist. Well, we didn't think that that's the problem. Somebody said, well, why don't you go to this iridologist? Well, what's that? Well, he can diagnose you by looking into the pupil of your eye because within your eye is reflected your entire body. Okay, what do we got to lose? We go to this guy, he looks into my wife's eyes, which I didn't appreciate, but he looked into my wife's <laughs> eyes and he said, without telling him why we're coming, he said, you're feeling a chest pain. And, um, and, and my wife said, yeah, how did you know that? He said, because I can see in your eyeball that there's a valve that's slightly narrow in your heart. And this is causing you this pain and it can be taken care of with diet. So he said, well, how do you see this when we've gone to so many experts and they've, and they've put her through all kinds of tests Angie. with advanced, advanced uh, technology? And uh, he said, oh, they don't have the same kind of accuracy that I have by looking into the eyes. Now, whether this guy is accurate or not, I, I, I'm not, that's not my point. The point is that Judaism does believe that within everything is everything. And within every single Jew, within you and within me, is every single Jew from the beginning of time to the end of time. And now I want to show you a source that explains this so beautifully and so powerfully, and, and it's a really important thing that we need to remember as we talk about each other. Uh, and I call this happiness through holiness because we're gonna talk about what holiness is. And the greatest happiness is to know who you are and to live who you are and to treat people the way they, they, they deserve to be treated because of who they really are. And who are you? So this is from Rav Moshe Cotovero, one of the great Kabbalists of our history who wrote, the famous classic book, Tomer Devorah. And this is what he says in that book. All Jews are relatives to each other because the souls are all included within each other. Do you hear that? Within each other is everybody. There is a part of this one in that one and a part of that one in this one. And that is why Jews are guarantors for each other. There's a, basic, there's a famous basic principle in Judaism that we are our avim. We are guarantors for each other. And this is the amazing thing. You know, I once heard a midrash that when the Egyptians were looking for Jewish babies after Pharaoh had decreed 
that all the Jewish babies be thrown into the Nile. Well, of course, many mothers would hide their child. Well, the Egyptians will walk into a person's house with a Jewish baby in their arm, and they would pinch the baby and cause the baby to cry. And if there was a Jewish baby inside the house, the baby, as soon as he hears another baby cry, he cries. Because that's who we are. You know, we feel, every single one of us feel that those hostages uh, in, in, in wherever they are, in Gaza, um, who knows, is a piece of us. And they're not strangers. And, and we feel an incredible connection to them. And our hearts are beating with the Jewish people. Our hearts are beating with each other, with every soldier in Gaza, because, because we are a part of them and they're a part of us. And so uh, we have this sense of a guarantor figure because literally within each one is a part of his friend. When one transgresses, he damages himself and damages the part of his friend within him. This is an amazing thing. We're guarantors for each other. And this goes in the other way too. When one Jew does a mitzvah, that lifts every Jew. Every Jew gets a, a, gets a boost from that mitzvah. But when we do an Avera, we all take a hit. We all take a, you know, take a hit. So there's a cute little story about a group of people that were in this big ship. And a guy starts drilling a hole underneath his seat. So the guy sitting next to him says, what are you doing? He says, what's it, your business? I want to drink a water. What? Why? Why? Why don't you mind your own business? You know, that's not, there's no my business. You're, you're drilling a hole. In, in the ship, we're all going to go down. And this is a basic idea that we Jewish people have. Rav Nachman of Bretzlev uses the metaphor of, of a group of people climbing a mountain and they're holding onto a rope. And when one takes a step forward, he draws everybody behind him upwards. But one takes a step backwards, he pulls everybody downwards. We're all connected and we all feel for each other. And so it is therefore appropriate that a person desire good for his friend. Look upon him with a good eye because in your friend is you. And when you speak Lashon Hara against another Jew, you're speaking Lashon Hara against yourself, a part of yourself. When you do bad to another person, you're doing bad to yourself because we're all connected. So he says, and that, uh, I'm sorry. It is therefore appropriate that a person desire good for his friend. Look upon him with a good eye. And that his friend's honor be more beloved to him than his own, because he is him literally. Wow, these are very, these are strong words. You know, that you should care about your friend's honor before your own, because your friend's honor has your honor in it. You can't take care of your honor if you don't take the piece, the care of the honor of yourself in other people. And so, of course, you're going to want to be honored people. And this is so utopian, you know, like we all love each other, all one. That's what's so amazing, what's going on in the country right now. There was this extraordinary explosion, forgive me for using that terminology, but there was an explosion of achtos, of oneness, and there's signs all over the country. Together we will win, together we will win. But the truth is, many, many months beforehand, there was no actors. I mean, not no, that's okay. That's an exaggeration, but it was so bad. I never heard in the 40 years that I've been living in Israel, that I've been living in Israel much more than 40 years. 
I've been living in Israel uh, almost 50 years now. And I never once heard a politician talk about the possibility of a civil war in Israel. I never heard such a thing. People were talking about there'll be bloods on rolling, pouring down the streets. What? How could Jews be talking that way about each other? And there was a clip, a video clip that went viral in Israel where, you know, with, during these reform, you know, yes, no uh, uh, protests. So these two young girls who were more on the right wing side of things went up to a woman who was more on the left side. And they said to her, listen, we can agree to disagree, but, but let's all remember that we're, we're all one family and we, and we are brothers and sisters. And this woman turned to these young girls and said, I'm not your sister. We're not family. How could you talk that way? But it was that kind of thing going on. And it's like, it, it really gives me the chills because the contrast is just too obvious not to point out that we were at such, in such conflict and such anger and so much animosity going on. Uh, terrible things going on in, in Dizengoff, a friend of mine who opened up a, a, a outreach a program in Tel Aviv. He did a service of Zom Kippur in Dizengoff, and he put a very nice little mechitza. And people came and ripped down the mechitza on Yom Kippur. They were so angry that there would be some kind of religious expression on the streets of Dizengoff. Like, what do you care? Why are you so upset? Why are you so angry? It was getting that bad. And God willing, we will not return to that after this war. There was a, 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 there was a, a billboard going around in Yerushalayim that said, We are together until we are victorious. And I thought, oh, that doesn't sound good. That sounds until we're victorious and then we're going you know, to separate. I'm sure that's not what they meant, but it, but it was written poorly. Uh, but this is what's going on that we need to remember what they know about us. And what's amazing is that every single one of us for them represents every single one of us. That's amazing. And for them to take a little baby, they have babies that all of the Jewish people is that baby. That's unbelievable. So let's look at the Bala Tanya says over here. In Tanya from Lubavitch. Hasidut, all Jews are called brothers. Excuse me, it should say also sisters, but but it is it does literally say brothers because they literally are brothers at the root of their soul in God's oneness. You know, most people think that God is someone over there who created someone over here. Hashem isn't someone, Hashem is the one. Each and every one is someone. We're some of that one. And we are always one with Hashem, and we are always one with each other through Hashem. And that will never stop, existentially, objectively, but subjectively, in our own experience, we can block out that truth. So I said, it's only their body selves that differentiate themselves. If it wouldn't be for our bodies, we would realize that we're one. But our bodies are giving off this vibe that we're all separate and disconnected from each other. But the truth is, we're not. In our deepest level, it's like, the example I always give of imagine two leaves on a tree having an argument and then I realize that they are both connected to the same twig. Okay, well, we're brothers but, and we're family, but we can't stand the people next door. Yeah, but guess what? You're all connected to a thicker, you know, bigger twig. 
Okay, well, we can't stand the community across the other town, the other side of the town. Well, guess what? You're part of a branch and they're part of a branch that is, you know, plugged into and growing from the trunk. And then everybody, even the leaf that is on the furthest side of the tree, and imagine some of these trees that have thousands and thousands of leaves. All those leaves are connected at their root. And so too, all of us are connected at our root. And so uh, it's only their body cells that differentiate themselves. It's our bodies that's giving off the vibe that I'm not you and you're not me. And we're separate. And I'm not you and you're not me. But within you is me and within me is you. And we're all connected in a very deep way. It turns out that those who make their body cells their principal concern and provide their soul only a background role can never experience true love and brotherhood. You see, when we become too body focused and we start thinking too much about our body, we're not against our bodies. We're not antibodies. You know, we're not against our bodies. But, uh, but our bodies do communicate a vibe that we're not connected. And therefore, the more a person makes their primary concern their soul, and they are still concerned about a healthy body, of course, you know, but that their body doesn't become the source of their identity, but just a vehicle through which they express their identity. But the soul, in essence, knows love. In our deepest depths, love is natural. Because love is an experience of oneness. And, um, and, and what does it take for there to be love? Two opposing elements. I can't be you and you can't be me because then there wouldn't be a relationship. But on the other hand, even though you're not me and I'm not you, we're connected. A relationship has this interesting dynamic of I'm not you, you're not me, but we're one. That's love. And that's what Judaism teaches. I'm not you, you're not me, but in me is you and in you is me, and we're connected. And so it says, it turns out that those who make their body self their principal concern and provide their soul only a background role can never experience true love and brotherhood. Whatever love they experience will be conditional. True love, you're never going to experience. Because true love is unconditional because we're connected and we will always be connected. And they know that about us. And that's what's so amazing is they know that about us. And they don't need to meet us and get to know us to hate us. Because the entire Jewish people is you and you and you and you and you and you and me. We're all different facets of the entire Jewish people. And they feel that about us. It's an amazing thing. Let's learn a little bit more and then you can ask some questions. This is a piece from Rav Cook. Explaining the meaning of holiness. Because you make us holy through your mitzvahs. What does it mean that we become holy? What is, what is a holy person? And this is a holy person. The ultimate goal of life is holiness. This line is worth goal. I mean, you know, ask people, ask Jews, what's the ultimate goal of life? How many know the answer? Holiness. We know the mission of the Jewish people. We know our goal. What is the point of a mitzvah? You made us holy through your mitzvahs. We live Torah in order to become holy people. But what is holiness? Holiness is supreme unity, which contains nothing of the weakness of morality. Now, what is he talking about? He's actually referencing Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche says that morality is doomed to bankruptcy. Because morality is asking man to be selfless. And that's not possible. We are based in selfishness. 
our fundamental inclination, our natural disposition is to be selfish. And therefore, Friedrich Nietzsche said, morality that's asking people to be selfless is doomed to bankruptcy. There's no way. People are selfish. Rav Kook is saying, he's agreeing. That Judaism is not about that kind of morality. Judaism is about holiness. He says, holiness does not fight against self-love. Morality is telling you self-love's a bad thing. Be selfless and love everybody else. Holiness is saying, no, you don't have to fight self-love that's embedded deep within the soul. Self-love is deeply embedded in your soul of every living being. But rather, it sets man in such a superior state that the more he loves himself, the more the good within him will spread over all and around him, over the whole world, all being. Why? Because if you really love yourself, you will love everybody. Because you know that everybody is a part of you. And that's holiness. Where morality is trying to convince you to be selfless, holiness is trying to convince you to be selfish, but truly selfish, to really love yourself, your true self. And what's, who's the true self? The true self is the self that includes everybody. And therefore, you know, when people ask the question, is love selfish or selfless? The answer is yes. You know, it's beyond the either or. So look at what Cook says over here. The great thought of the oneness of being eliminates the question of love itself. The question considered by some as the root of sin, by others as the basis of morality. He says the idea that we're all connected, the question of love is not a question anymore. Some people think that love is the basis of morality. You got to love people. Some people think love is the root of sin. You know, you're being drawn by love for the wrong things. Rav Cook says there's only love of all. Because everyone includes everyone, which is the truly self-love, enlightened and sublime. That's it. True love is loving all. When I see all within all. That's true love. False self-love, which loves the small spark, that's the, that's the love that confuses itself and loves that little guy in this little body and thinks he's, in connect, he's disconnected, self-contained, self-sufficient, independent, visible to bleary eyes, and hates to clarify himselfhood. And this is blindness, as foolish as it is wicked. So really, Judaism is teaching you to be selfish but really selfish, genuinely selfish. Love yourself, but your real self. If you loved yourself, you would love everybody because within everybody is everybody. And you would treat them that way. So Rav Cook says over here, beautiful teaching, life itself, all of life, its very essence cannot possibly be anything other than the elemental longing to be close to God. The only thing we want is God. Even people that don't believe in God want God. But, but because they think God is some guy in the sky, they say, oh, I don't want God. But look what he says. What is this longing to be close to God? Thus it fulfills the unique connotation of human life. What is the unique connotation of human life? It's composed of the desire for a sense of self shared by all creatures. That's God. The one self that we all share on the deepest level, referred to in the Zohar, God is referred to as the soul of our souls. Each of us is a soul, but each of us is a facet of a soul of all souls, which we're all part of. And we're all yearning to be part of that. And if you ever heard me speak, one of the classic examples I give is when I was a teenager, I used to love to go to rock and roll concerts. 
And my favorite moment was any when everybody would light a match. Thousands of people would light a match. And I remember the first time I saw that, and I said, wow, this is amazing. I need a match. Excuse me, you got a match. I need a match. I need a match. And then I lit my match, and I felt so great. And that, you know, today people hold their cell phones. This is for the alto rockers like me, we, we use the match. But uh, what can I say? You know, it's a desecration of rock and roll. But okay, what are you going to do? But uh, there was this feeling that we were one. And that, and that feeling like I'm just a tiny match did not diminish my sense of self. It actually got me out of myself into a greater self that I shared with everybody at the concert. And we were rocking and souling uh, and rolling, but we were also rocking and souling uh, to songs like Simply for the Devil. I guess not the best song, you know, by the Rolling Stones. But essentially, that is the elemental longing. We all want to be part of a greater whole. And that's what it means to be holy. To be holy is to become whole. And how does a part become whole? A part becomes whole by being a part of a whole. And the greater you can feel yourself as part of a greater whole and feel that greater whole manifest to its own relativity within you is the greatest joy and the greatest love. And uh, and so a little bit more, and then I want to hear questions. Here's a piece from the quantum physicist David Baum. Uh, he actually uh, was from Technion, but he became a, quite a famous um, quite a famous uh, quantum physicist. And this is, what, this is what he writes: One has led to a new notion of unbroken wholeness, which denies the classical idea of analyzability of the world into separately and independently existing parts. You hear this, this is what Rav Cook's talking about. Judaism talked about this long time ago. We have reversed the usual classical notion that the independent elementary parts of the world are the fundamental reality, that the whole is built out of the parts and that the various systems are merely particular contingent forms and arrangements of these parts, that the whole emerges from parts, no. Rather, we say that the inseparable quantum interconnectedness of the whole universe is the fundamental reality. We call that God. And that relatively and that relatively independent behaving parts are merely particular and contingent forms within that whole. The parts are contingent forms of the whole and facets of the whole. Indeed, the attempt to live according to the notion that the fragments are really separate is in essence what has led to the growing series of extremely urgent crises that is confronting us today, thus as it is now known well, well known. This way of life has brought about the creation of an overall environment that is neither physically nor mentally healthy for most of the people who have to live in it. The notion that all these fragments are separately existent is evidently an illusion. We are not separate. No one is separate. And this illusion can do, uh, cannot do other than lead to endless conflict and confusion. And uh, what can I say? This, this, this is the, uh, this is the sad, sad thing. And just one last source, and then I will hear your questions, comments. This is from a letter from a rabbi, Svi Hirsch Weisfish. He says, it is only logical if you convince even the lowest person that they were capable of doing acts of kindness that can benefit the entire world. You know, we're sitting here wondering, I'm not in Gaza. What can I do? Is there something I can do? And uh, well, according to Torah, yes, they would be inspired to do these actions. 
Uh, if I'm sorry, he says, we're capable of doing acts of kindness that can benefit the entire world. They would be inspired to do the actions of kindness with joy and dedication. If you knew that every time you do tzedakah, for the sake of the Jewish people, for the sake of the world, you are impacting the world because we're all connected. In a profound way, all laziness and fatigue that a person experiences rooted in one's lack of belief that through one's own actions of learning Torah, doing mitzvahs, praying and improving oneself, one is actually transforming the entire universe for the better. Every little good deed is not a little good deed. The Rambam talks about we should see the entire world on a scale, and it could be that one deed is tipped the entire scale for everybody. This is why God enlightened our eyes with the holy words of the true Kabbalist masters. These wise men have explained to us how tremendously important all our actions are in transforming the entire universe. Because the entire universe is in you and me, and we are all connected. And every little good deed, you know, and it, and it, and it starts, you know, a, a, a one of the students asked me the other day in a private meeting, like, what is it? How does one have a good life? And I said, you know, most people think that we came to this world to have a good time. And but a lot of us are not having a good time. Well, we came to this world to do a good deed. And that'll actually be a good time. And that's what we're here to do. And that good deed doesn't have to be huge. You know, Rev. Cook says, great people do small things in great ways. You know, nothing's beneath the dignity of a great person. It's not like, only if I can do a great deed of, of kindness am I willing to do it. It's the small things, a kind word, a smile, an encouraging word. You know, whatever we can do to upgrade, you know, our life and the life of everybody else by being kinder, not just to everybody, but to ourselves too. That's also a big mitzvah to be kind and compassionate towards yourself, especially if you understand that within you is reflected every one of us. So being kind to yourself is being kind to everyone else and being kind to everybody else is also being kind to yourself. And I thank you for your kindness for listening to me. <laughs> so let's hear some questions or comments that you have and you'll have to uh, unmute yourself. Rabbi, Rabbi, I have a comment. Yes. Uh, Michael Epstein, my, by the way, my grandson, Eli Jarosho, was one of, his, one of your students. Right. Thank you so much for uh, entrusting us with <laughs> your holy family. Uh, you may, it took, a, it took a catastrophe to get us all together again. Yes. My question basically is, how do we in the future get us together in a, in, a, in a more humane way? Well, you're asking the question of questions that certainly disturbs me and many other people. Uh, we've, we, 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 we seem to have, you know the story, everybody knows the joke about they found this Jew, an, a guy abandoned on an island all by himself. And they finally found the guy. And they asked him, what was life like on this island for years? He said, actually, it's pretty good. There's actually two synagogues here. So two synagogues on an abandoned island with one Jew. Why? He said, every Jew needs two synagogues. One I go to, one I would never go to. So uh, there's something about us, you know, but th what's so interesting is we're the only religion that has a holy book called the Talmud, which is a record of disputes. So true love doesn't mean we don't dispute each other. We argue and we love each other and we argue and we love each other. But sometimes we, we forget 
that when we're arguing, that's because we're so close and that's because we care so much about each other. And uh, look, you know, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know another way to do this than to go out and educate people and share these kind of sources so the Jews understand that within every one of us is every one of us. You know, even if you're a right winger, guess what? Within you are all the lefties. And if you're a lefty, guess what? Within you are all the righties. We're all together. My right hand can't be right without a left hand and a left can't be or left without a right hand. We're not the same. We're very different, but we need each other. We just have to keep talking about that. Right before this war, there was a lot of efforts to create dialogue. And there was a huge event in Tel Aviv that brought together some major, you know, artists and musicians and, and had uh, tables where people from the gamut of, of Israeli population could, could have a peaceful conversation. And we could agree to disagree, but let's talk. Uh, and that was just starting to happen right before this war. And, uh, and I think we have to keep doing that because there's a lot of, there's a lot of anger. Already, uh, I, sadly, I'm seeing little hints of the beginning of, uh, of what's going to happen after this. You know, uh, you know, it's going to be pointing fingers. Your, it's your fault. It's your fault. I'm hoping we're not going to, you know, obviously someone, we, there has to be a, a, a proper investigation on how this all happened. But, but what we need to remember is if, if not together, then not at all. That is the secret of the Jewish people. We have to be together. We have to be together. And uh, we can agree, we can disagree, but we have to be together. Thank you for asking. I wish I had a better answer. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think there's a magical answer. I think it's years and years of educating Jews to understand this basic principle, how within each of us is every one of us. And, 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 to love everybody, you got to start with loving yourself in the most genuine way and recognizing within you is reflected every, every single Jew from the beginning of time to the end of time. Exactly. Thank you for asking that. Any more questions or comments? Hi, Rabbi. How are we, Baruch? How are you? Yeah, I don't good. know. The pain, is, the pain is so deep because the, the feelings are so deep for each and every single one of these kids and families. It's very hard. It's very hard to deal with it, you know? Yeah, it's no real question. Yeah. It's really just, uh, it's, it's trying to figure out how to deal with it. Uh, I, I think all we can do is, is just do what we can do towards it. In other words, if we're saying to Hillem and we keep them in our prayers, whatever we can do, we, we do, uh, you know, what, what can I say? I, I can't even imagine. I, I, on Shabbat, Baruch Hashem, my son is getting married on Wednesday, and uh, we're going to be empty nesters. And thank God we had a Shabbat Chatan together, and my son-in-laws who were who were in the army, and my son who just got out of the army. Everybody got together. We weren't sure everybody would be able to get out for this. And I thought about my children and how much I love each one of them and all my grandchildren. And I thought, how would I? bear if one of them god forbid was a was a hostage I, I can't even imagine the pain of a parent i, I can't even the, the excruciating this pain of, of what, how evil 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 
this these 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 people are. It's as Hamas is just the epitome of evil. What they did is uh, is just impossible to imagine. And I would always I used to hope, you know, as a son of a survivor, I I hope that maybe in our generation there wouldn't be that kind of anti-Semitism. There wouldn't be that kind of hatred towards Jews. But, uh, you know, and war would be passe, like, why, you know, why are people killing each other? Like, I don't even, I don't know, I'm not a politician, but my guess is a lot of Palestinians probably just want, you know, to be able to live quietly and have a, a you know, have a parnasa, have a means to support their families. I, I don't know how much people are so nationalistic today, you know? And uh, I just saw something that came up on my feed, uh, some interviews with Palestinians who've been talking about how this has been hell being under the influence of Hamas. And that a lot of Palestinians are actually very angry at Hamas. Uh, The pain is excruciating. And the only thing we can do is to do something, to do something we can in a positive way to contribute to whatever we can, whatever way we can contribute. Thank you. Any more questions or comments? Any more questions, comments? Going once. Thank you so much, Rabbi. It's always wonderful listening to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Wait, can I? Yes. um, Hi, this is this is Shirley Radner. Um, I, I I want to just make a comment to thank you so very, very much for this. It's a tremendous, tremendous chizuk um, and, um, and gives us all some direction in how to continue to be strong mind, body, and spirit. So I just wanted to say thank you so very, very much. I appreciate that. You know, I think what we have to remind ourselves is this, this is not a war just against Hamas. This is a war against evil. You know, the fact that evil is culminating in so many ways in this group of uh, people, but there's evil in the world. And I think, you know, I, I guess as a son of a survivor and waking up to my mother screaming in the middle of the night, which I assumed was a nightmare of the concentration camp, or at a very young age, I was very aware of evil and the force of evil. And we need to fight evil. And, uh, and, and it's, you know, in whatever form it comes and within ourselves also. And, uh, and, 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 and this is a huge, a huge battle, you know, a, a huge battle in front of us. Uh, just a, such an overwhelming number of people around the world who are so against us. Yeah, well, you, you, you know what, you know what Hitler said about us, that, that our enemies know who we are. Hitler said, we are, bar- in Mein Kampf, we are barbarians and we are proud of it. It is only the Jews who have claimed that man could transcend himself. That is a lie, a Jewish fabrication. He said the Jews have inflicted two wounds on mankind, circumcision on their body and conscience on our soul. These are Jewish inventions. This war is deception. There's really only one war between the Germans and the Jews. Um... Hitler knew who we were. We are the conscience of the world. We told everybody, you can't just do what you want, when you want, how you want. Some of you might have heard me once share in the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, who said there's two types of people in the world. There's strong people and there's weak people. 
Strong people do what they want, when they want, where they want, how they want, with who they want. They're strong. But then there's these weak people. Uh, and to protect themselves from the strong people, the weak people invented morality to make all the strong people feel guilty that they're so strong. And, the, and that is, and he said in the weak people were the Jews. The Jews, they invented morality. They have the patent rights to, the copyrights to guilt. And, uh, and in a very deep way, Rav Cook explains in Orot Yisrael that one of the reasons why there's anti-Semitism is because they don't like what we're telling everybody you need to do. There's a power greater than you that you need to be humbled before you are accountable and you cannot give your barbaric self a free license to do what you please. And uh, we basically messed the party up, you know, in a world where people were just doing what they felt like doing. And then we come around, start saying there's a God, there's accountability, there's, uh, you know, and, uh, and you got to rein in on yourself uh, by acknowledging the ultimate reign of God. They didn't want to hear that. You know, they want to hear it. You know, we are referred to as Hashem's witnesses and the Torah is referred to as an edut, a testament, because our lifestyle is a living testament that there's a power greater than us. And you can't just do what you want to do and feel like doing. And that's not a message that a lot of people like to hear. Okay, so uh, it's a schus to be able to, it's a schus that uh, in a weird way, it's a great merit that we matter that much that they want to get rid of us. You know, you know, you know, you know they take so, we, they have such a, they, they're so preoccupied with us, you know, like we, we make such a difference and we are so annoying, so annoying, you know. And uh, I know if they would only taste my boobies chicken soup, they would love us all. If that, I think that's really what we need to do. Go to the world and give chicken soup and, mm -hmm. and Yerushalayim kugel. They'll say, okay, the Jews brought morality, but mm -hmm. look at their menu. Come on. You know? <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much. All the best. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you very much, Rabbi. Thank you for joining me. I appreciate thank it. You. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. You bring so, you so much, much to us, and I appreciate it so much. You, you. And, and the whole of Horaita. Thank you okay. very much.